for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Katie Wu, who covers baseball for NBCSportsBayArea.com, about some of the names, underrated names, you should be paying attention to in both Giants camp and A's camp. The Giants and A's sort of have mirroring situations over the last couple of years as far as everyday lineups are concerned. And while the A's have been the far more successful team, the Giants seem to be on the brink, maybe a season or two away from having their own crop of young players at the big league level. All stuff we can talk about with Katie Wu, who joins me next. It's Wednesday, March 3rd. It is always a pleasure to talk baseball with Katie Wu. She covers the Giants and the A's for NBC Sports Bay Area. But more important, pressing stuff I want to get to, Katie. Before I ever have a guest on, I always dive into like their, you know, you check out their Twitter account. You see if anything new has come up, any articles they've written, things they've posted. But I was looking at your Twitter account, and uh, I saw in your bio, and who knows when you put this in there. This could have been, you know, five years ago, seven years ago. You put, quote, never met a plate of ballpark nachos that I didn't like. Do you have a ranking? Is there a place you go for your ballpark nacho? I definitely have a favorite one across the league. What's your number one? Oh, look, you know, I do not judge. I pride myself on on being a, a non-judgmental person. So if there's any kind of ballpark nachos in front of me, or actually, you know, let's be honest, ballpark food in general, I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to love it as it is. But curious to know where, where your favorite is. That way I can, you know, check it out if I haven't already. Well, it's funny. I read it as ballpark plate of nachos, but I think we should amend it to like ballpark helmet of nachos because I know some places like end up the whole baseball helmet yeah. <laughs> full of chips and cheese and jalapenos and whatever. The one time I went to Petco Park and it wasn't one day, it was one series. I went to a Giants Padre series maybe three or four years ago and I smelled it for like the first two games I was there it was the uh, the brisket nachos they have at Petco Park. Oh my one gosh, of the yep. most unbelievable ballpark meals I've ever had. I think it's from Seaside Market, or I've been, it's been so long since I've been at Petco Park, but I know exactly what you're talking about because I averaged that for dinner probably twice a week. Not really <laughs> great for my like physique, but really great for me mentally and spiritually. That, that's a fantastic. I mean, everything about Petco Park is beautiful, but there's nachos specifically. So good. Everything in moderation. Everything in moderation is good. And hey, twice a week, you've got time to like, during the pandemic, you didn't get any nachos in, any ballpark nachos. So you're due for a a plate or a helmet full a couple of times this season, I think. So maybe the Padres is where we should start. I kind of wanted to pick your brain about some of the minor leaguers. I know you covered minor leaguers down in San Diego and for MILB.com. But the Giants have a couple of these guys, and I think every year now it's sort of this get familiar with the Giants roster. They picked up a guy over the offseason named Jason Vossler, who did not play at the big league level last year, but... But in, in El Paso in 2019, hit 20 home runs, batted 291. He's a former Cubs farmhand, but it spent some time in the San Diego system. Can you tell me anything about him? Is there something we should know? I know Alex Dickerson loves the guy from his time in San Diego. What can you tell us about Jason Vossler, the Giant? I think Jason Vossler kind of epitomizes exactly what the Giants are looking for right now. You know, they're kind of in that midway point where they are not quite ready to go full into contention with the Dodgers and the Padres, but they're building up. So they're relying on a lot of bargain rentals that, you know, could potentially play well for the year or two that they have signed them for. And, and Bossler fits that prototype quite well. You know, he's a guy who has projected like he can hit pretty well. I know that it's, it's been a while since he's seen any kind of game action for a lot of these guys, but he can play multiple positions. He can hit well. And he's just a, a low liability kind of player for the Giants, which again is what they're looking for. Um, one of my favorite Jason Vossler stories is when I was covering him when he was a Padres prospect for minorleaguebaseball.com was he'd hit for the cycle and in the PCL. And if you pay attention to minor league baseball in, in depth and you know about the reputation of the now defunct Pacific Coast League, there was something wild going on at least 
I don't know, in, in three games in the league a night. And Jason Bossler hit for the cycle, and he had no idea. Literally, I, I called him after the game, and I asked him, and I said, hey, did, you know, what, what did you feel? I, I'm pretty sure it was a triple that solidified the cycle. And he said, I honestly had no idea. Someone had to tell me. I had no idea I hit for the cycle. <laughs> and I, I always remember that story when it comes to Bossler. Um, it's kind of a, a funny little tidbit there. But, yeah, he seems to kind of represent everything that the Giants are looking for when it comes to, you know, playing splits and platoons. That's something that we've kind of gotten used to from the Giants over the last year. You know, they're not going to roll out the same starting nine every single game. They've made that clear. And Bossler is a a safe kind of, again, low liability player that they can slot in when needed. It's a great story about hitting for the cycle and not even realizing it. He was so locked in, he didn't even know. But so many of these guys, I think, at the minor league level are so focused on, on you know, working on a specific element of their game that maybe the result or that special statistic or note didn't register with them. But that's funny. That's such a, a big baseball thing. You'd think somebody would, would notice having done that. But kind of cool and, and a fun little background story on him. I'm excited to see whether or not he'll make the team and if he's going to be a depth factor for the Giants. As you said, he can play all over the infield. But a guy who I think a lot of Giants fans are are focused on whether it's this year or whether it's going to be 2022. And I heard you on KNBR this weekend with Kerry Crowley talking about Marco Luciano. Let's look at it from the the context of Fernando Tatis Jr. Because I think Giants fans look around and say, hey, the Dodgers have Seager. The Padres have Fernando Tatis Jr. The Cleveland Indians and now the Mets had Frankie Lindor. So when is our guy going to get here? When is our A1 top prospect, middle of the order guy going to be here? And I think that's always the question is, you know, what's the trajectory of the prospect? But do you think it's unfair to start doing the comparative stuff with he and Fernando Tatis Jr. just based on skill set and based on age, they seem like they kind of line up together. Look, I I think anytime you compare anyone to Fernando Tatis Jr., you're going to get a lot of scoffing and and, and rightfully so. I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. has changed the game and he's been in baseball for a season and a half. But I I think the excitement that the Padres organization had when it came to Tatis' development in their system definitely mirrors how the Giants feel about Luciano. I mean, this is a young, homegrown talent. And as you're seeing kind of the trend in the game switch, we're kind of putting an emphasis on these prospects. We have really bought in as a fan base and as an industry to putting our focus on these top 20 prospects in baseball. And, you know, we're locked in on them since they kind of have established themselves as that. And Luciano, this is definitely his season. It's his turn to kind of have that national spotlight on him. I'm not quite sure when the Giants will bring him up. I think we talk a lot about how the lack of a minor league season in 2020 kind of hindered abilities to project and advance through the league and get normal development. But what we don't talk about as much is in some cases it actually can expedite careers and it can give them a fast track to the big leagues because they were at the alternate site. They were getting a different kind of repetition. They were working with the big league guys. Luciano's going to get that same kind of experience again this spring. The Giants are obviously really high on him. Baseball is really high on him. He makes contact with the ball. You're going to hear it. And those kind of like small things are super exciting, especially for the Giants fan base when it's been so long since they've had a prospect that has really caught national attention, especially this early. I mean, this kid is, what, 19 years old? I'm already talking about him alongside conversations like Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, I think that says enough. And that's definitely kind of the the prime guy that I will be looking at this spring is just kind of see where he's at, where his talents are, and where he's projecting to be. And, and if he'll be, you know, if he's anywhere closer to the big league roster. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. 
I know the hype around Tatis was big, and I know he was a top prospect, and that was part of sort of what buoyed the Padres' farm system into making them a top 10 farm system, which, by the way, I think they're still in the top 10, right? Like, they've still still got a bunch of prospects down there. (laughs) After all of this, they somehow still are. I'm looking down there like Mackenzie Gore. I'm like, what the hell is this about? They traded for Blake Snell. They traded for Mike Clevenger, and they've still got one of the top systems in all of baseball. So I'm wondering, as far as trajectory goes, was Fernando Tatis Jr. always viewed as this elite-type prospect? Because, again, he's only 20. 21 years old. He debuted at age 20. As you mentioned, Luciano born in September of 2001. So he's only 19. He'll turn 20 in the fall of this year. When did he start to become this phenom prospect? Because I don't recall him being number one from the moment he was signed. You know, when I started with the Padres in 2018, he was pretty much already established as a top prospect. He was the number two prospect in baseball by the time I went to the minor leagues in in 2019. The allure around Tatis was always pretty high as soon as he started solidifying his talent around 18. And that's when everyone uh, in the prospect world and the Padres player development staff kind of walked in and said, oh, this guy is going to be special. This is a generational once-in-a-lifetime talent that we are eventually going to lock up for 14 years, you know? It was pretty much kind of established early on that Tatis was that dude. And that's kind of what you're seeing with Luciano. And again, projections are projections. We've seen plenty of top number one rated prospects, unfortunately, not pan out in the major leagues. But I don't get the sense in the slightest that would be the case with Luciano. I think that if you haven't bought into him now, you need to jump on before it's too late because uh, he's only going to pick up, I think, in, in his popularity and his capabilities of what he can do. Yeah, and I'm going to hold a controlling interest in that Luciano hype stock. I think I'm all in. I've been, I've been touting him for a minute, <laughs> waiting for this kid to get here, right? So uh, I'm with you. Stay on the bandwagon and, and don't jump off. Hold on to that Luciano stock. So that'll be one of the fun players to pay attention to this year. As far as the A's go, it's funny. You look at these like Pocota projections. They've got the A's as a third-place team in the AL West. I don't know that it's going to be the LA Angels year. It almost is never the Angels year. It seems like they continue to spend money and and not win ball games. But you had a, a couple of guys that you put out an article about last week wondering about which guys could maybe make a surprise run at a roster spot. I'm looking at Buddy Reed, an outfielder who's got a big arm. They lost Robbie Grossman, obviously, to free agency this year. Is he a guy you could see making the team as a a potential fill-in behind Loriano in center field or playing a corner spot? The A's have got a lot of guys who will be off the books at the end of this year, just wondering who the next crop of players are coming up. I think it's definitely fair to consider Reed. Um, He's six foot four. His defense has never really been a question. He is super quick. He profiles well in center field based on his speed and his uh, just overall athleticism, but his arm profiles really well from the corner. So he's a guy that can play all over the place, and I think that's very exciting from a defensive perspective for the A's. What he does need to focus on and, and work through is his offense. He had a, a kind of loopy swing, and he struggled uh, with his approach and never really hit for contact or really got on base when he played his last full season in, in 2019 with the Padres. Now, of course, it's 2021, and he's with a new organization, and, and sure, he didn't get to play a minor league season, but I remember talking to Buddy Reed last spring, and you know the A's were really uh, impressed with the changes he had made at the plate and the changes he'd made to a swing and, and kind of revamped him offensively. Obviously, we haven't seen too much of that now, but that's definitely, a, I think, you know, as writers and reporters and as fans should focus on is, you know, how does he look offensively? Defensively, he solidified himself as a, as a you know, very exciting and talented outfielder. What can he do at the plate? I think will signify whether or not he makes the opening day roster or not. Keep in mind, he is the only non-roster outfielder for the A's in their spring training uh, group this year. And he has a little bit of, a, I think, a, a harder path to get on there. But if he can hit, and, you know, the A's are very similar to the Giants and, you know, not rolling out the same nine every day and, and playing projections and playing splits. 
he has a legitimate shot as long as he can, you know, prove that he can produce offensively. And they've got some versatility. They can move Chad Pinder around. Uh, they can put Mark Canna out there or DH him. Uh, they've got Mitch Moreland now who could be a DH opposite playing uh, Matt Olson at first base. So there's a lot of places they could go. But uh, you're right. There's a lot of guys who are coming up the ranks, it seems like, for the A's. They're going to have to make some decisions. I think Mark Canna's final year under contract is this year as well. Katie, you do a great job covering the A's and the Giants. I love your minor league coverage. Thanks so much for stopping by the podcast. Get yourself a plate of nachos. And hopefully I'll see you at the ballpark this year. Well, fingers crossed. And at first play the ballpark nachos, it'll be on me when I do see ya. <laughs> All right. Good deal, Katie. We'll catch you later. Thanks. See ya. Great stuff from Katie Wu. Make sure you check her out on Twitter at Katie J. Wu. She does a great job covering minor league baseball as well as Giants and A's stuff. And it'll be her first full season at NBC Sports Bay Area this year. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to Katie. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is that you're listening. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up, and because the calendar is flipped to March, we will be focused a lot on baseball, but the Warriors right in the middle of this Western Conference playoff picture. We've also got more quarterback rumors surrounding the 49ers. Is Teddy Bridgewater coming out to San Francisco? All stuff we can talk about in the weeks ahead, but until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday.